I think that like social media is like, like a dangerous place for infidelity. Why? Oh, like, why 100%. are you friending a random dude? Because they think that you're attractive. And I saw those videos. Mercury's you're like making a martini. Like they were like, I need See? some young guy to make me a martini. Oh, there it is. There it is. You were like shaking up that martini like nobody's business. A bunch of like yeah. 50 year old women are like, oh, that sounds like exactly what I need. Welcome to Political Playlist. <laughs> All right. Are you ready, guys? Happy hour. Happy, Happy hour. hour. <laughs> that up. So oh bad. God. Well, speaking of Anthony being president, mm. welcome to Political yes. Playlist Happy Hour. <laughs> <laughs> it is not technically happy hour. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 10 a.m. on the West Coast, 1 p.m. on the East Coast. But it is a happy hour because we are here with the girls of Girls in the Gov, Maddie and Sammy. Hi, guys. Hey. Oh, girls, I should say. Um, yeah, we really, we messed that up. We literally like in branding, we're like, oh, girl in the gov. And then everyone's always like, but it's two of you. Like, did you guys learn about plurality? No, I get in it. School? I, I get like, it. No, we get it. We get it. Um, Michael's not here today because five people uh, on a Zoom audio mm. feels just like really overwhelming. So a lot of podcast personalities all in one. Yeah, so it's too much. Very- um, it's great to speak with you both again. Loved, loved going on your guys' podcasts. So first, like, what do you think is uh, like getting young people involved in politics? You know, what do you think is the hardest like part of trying to get young people involved? Ooh, Ooh. Um, I think it's mostly just because young people don't fully realize their power yet and don't Mm. realize also how important it is and how much it touches like every aspect of their life. And I think that's something that historically has always happened. Like our parents' generation was the same. Their parents' generation was the same. It's just this kind of reoccurring theme that young people don't tap into their political power for some time. And so that's definitely something we are trying to change. But we think that right now in this time in history, we have kind of the perfect storm of things happening from social media to the Trump era and everything that can actually finally mobilize this group of people. Um, So it's an exciting time in that way, but there's definitely like a lot of work to do on that front. So just turn away. Yeah. I think sometimes, sometimes too, like a lot of young people don't feel that politics affects them Mm -hmm. uh, at a young age. And they're just, you know, they're like, going through school, working, but I feel like today, now, especially a lot of stuff that is happening, young people are realizing it is affecting them. We just went mm-hmm. through COVID, obviously that affected everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sam, Sam, what do you think? Like yeah. anything to add to that? I think to add to that, I think part of the issue, which is part of the solve is peer pressure. So in just the general culture around it, I think it is often very awkward to talk about politics. It's taboo, you know, forever and always. We've always heard, you know, on a date or at, you know, a family event, don't bring up religion, don't bring up politics. I think there's a third one on there that I'm blanking, but regardless. Money, it, right? Money, money, religion, politics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bring that's all, all that's those. All by the way, talk, all that's things. That's all I that, talk about on dates. So, <laughs> so now we're getting must, into why the dating's that, not working for you. I must be doing something wrong. There you go. <laughs> Anthony's like, how much money do you make? Um, do you <laughs> well, believe in God? It's an issue when you guys go on first dates, you're like, what do you do? And you have to say you work in politics and that immediately brings up politics. And that sometimes can cause some bad dates, which yeah. I have experience in. Well, or it weeds people out if, if they're yeah, like, exactly. oh, fuck that. 
I mean, it sucks in the moment, but you're like, honestly, this is probably good in the long run. I don't have to well, deal I've, with you. Well, we live in this world too, where you are obviously looking at each other on social media before. So mm, I always get that question like, so what's this whole like political playlist thing you're doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so girls Classic. will like see that on your social media and then ask that about you on a first date? Oh, yeah. Uh, but, do you guys I mean, get that? What do people like? Do you guys look you up and then ask that? about you they when you go on a first date with them. They don't blatantly ask. They act like they don't know, but I know that they know. You oh, know? interesting. That's I, kind of yeah. worse. Like, I I feel like if you're gonna know, just be like, I saw you do this thing. I've had men like it. be sneaky conservative knowing that I'm sure not and go on dates with me, talk to me for a while. And then like, when I stop talking to them, then I'll start seeing they like re- start posting things on Instagram. That's like very conservative QAnon, like anti-COVID stuff. Like, like full. Where wow. was that? So not just where like, was this? Not like, just like just, conservative, like like hiding it. Far right movement. Yeah. Wow. Well, That's yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Damn. Um, I mean, to that end, like, you know, one thing that I feel like you guys are striving to do with Girl on the Gov is rebranding politics, making everything more digestible. But I think one of the challenges is that talking about social media, we all turn now to these non-traditional sources for our news, for our commentary. And you guys are obviously using social media to try to like bring factual, interesting conversation into the medium that people are consuming. Um, How do we keep... I mean, maybe we don't, but what do you think is the best way to try to keep people out of their echo chambers, especially on social media where we get in an algorithm and we can't get out of it? And if you don't have the intelligence to say, hey, oh, there's girl in the gov, I'm going to go to them or hey, there's political players, I'm going to go to them or whatever these social media outlets are. How do you get people to step outside of that echo chamber so that you know we don't end up in the sort of cycle that I think we've gotten in. Maybe it's about going on dates with people who, <laughs> who are oh, yeah. open Honestly, your mind. Low key, that is a great way to do it because you you never know what you're going to find on every topic, even outside of politics. As sure. Well. But regardless of that, I think one, one of the ways to do this is this app that we found. It's called Ground News. Mm-hmm. And so on this app, what they do is they like basically they'll like have one story, one headline, and you click on the headline. And under that, they have all the different news sources that have covered it. And then they break down the factuality of each piece. They share also, you know, how left, how right it is. They also yeah. share like who, like who is even like behind that media company, you know, who's funding it because that does have, of course, an impact on the bias. And so I think using that has really helped us, but even for ourselves, I can definitely speak for you know, myself in this, getting out of my own echo chamber is so hard. Mm-hmm. And I think the times that like, that even comes up is like within a friend group. Like I have one friend in particular that is definitely conservative, like a thousand percent. And I know she just won't even dare to say something in front of me because I will absolutely, I won't go apeshit, but like, I'm absolutely going to just like put her in her place. Cause she's also just like not civically educated. So there's a whole larger end to it. But I think that like you can even be in an echo chamber within your own friend group based mm-hmm. on the dynamics of that. Like, you well, know, do you so think that there's, that, do you think there's a way, or I guess, have you guys had experience with people like that friend, but maybe people who are a little bit more educated, have different views than you, that you're able to have those conversations with? 
like, and kind of say, Hey, let's actually talk about this. You know, I'm educated in my points of view. You're educated in your points of view, you know, in real life, it feels like those conversations are so much easier to have than on the internet. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say to a degree, because I think it's not, it's not a conversation around, Hey, like, I actually think it would be better if they used funds to, you know, build these roads. It's like, do you believe in like people's human rights or not? Like the conversation has evolved over like the last few years, even more so where like getting to know someone's political beliefs is really getting to know like how they view other humans and the rights that they feel they deserve. So I think the conversation has been more blatant and harder to have with friends that don't necessarily share your your viewpoint. And it can be Mm. really disappointing and disheartening. And it's not that it's still not worth having the conversation because you might change their mind, right? It's still worth trying to talk through and present your points. But I think that like thinking that you're going to necessarily end up feeling the same about that person, you know, not so much. Have you ever found that there's value in those conversations, even if even if you say like, oh, this person obviously doesn't see things the way that I do. I don't know. Sometimes I find that I'm able to at least understand like, oh, I completely disagree with that. But at least by talking to someone that like has a brain and even though I don't understand the way that their brain is processing this information, sometimes it at least helped me to like ground myself in understanding oh, this is sort of like why the, the those people think that way. I don't know. Have you ever ha- have you had that experience? I think in the sense of seeing like the lens, like getting yeah. between a view of it and even too strategically, it's like helpful to know that to be able to argue your own point, right? So like, sure. I, I think those conversations- That's such a good point. From that, That's right? such a like, good point. Yeah. Because if you don't know, like, I'm trying to think of how to best articulate this, but like, if you don't know like what the enemy is an enemy is like really stronger language than I want to use. Yeah. But how are you going to like fight it efficiently? You know, if you're in the dark, you're just throwing spaghetti against a wall. That's not really helpful to anyone, including yourself. So well, I think that's why it's important to know what's happening in all aspects, because if you, if you, that's the echo chamber thing, right? Like an echo chamber is not ultimately helpful to helping you, understand and defend your views because you're just told that you're right all the time. And Mm -hmm. that actually in any aspect of life, not even just politics, that doesn't, I I don't think that that really helps anybody kind of move, move their life along and, and be able to support what they believe. Yeah. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I feel like I, the, you know, kind of people who don't agree with me in my life are, kind of far, far gone. Um, Mm. I have a lot of those that those conversations I really don't even step into just Mm. because I'm not like putting my energy there. And it's just like, um, but I, I have definitely had like really productive conversations with people who don't agree with me. Um, and there's a few people in my life who do that. And I think that is definitely a super productive thing to do. And I think what we always come back to too, when you do have those conversations is all about productive communication and, if it gets heated, like you just have to step away. Cause at the end of the day, like you're not going to be able to have an open mind when those like emotions are involved and everything. So if you can find those people that you can have those productive conversations with, um, with opposing views, I think that's super helpful and an awesome thing to do. But sometimes that's just like really hard to find without all of the emotion and divisiveness and tab and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Sam. 
I was going to say our number one rule that we always tell everyone is like, don't drink and talk about politics, which is ironic yes, because we all drink a, and talk about such, politics That's here, such a good like, yeah. piece of advice. It makes it more fun. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what we do on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, not to but, totally shit on the premise yeah, of this podcast. I mean, we're, we're sending a bit of a bad message, but let's just no, say maybe it. don't heavily drink and talk heavily. about politics. Yeah. yeah. Define heavy. No. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony and Michael have vastly different tolerances than the rest of us. Definitely. Mm. Um, it's a skill. But um, <laughs> speaking of conversations, you guys reached kind of a big milestone, right? You, How many interviews have you done now? A hundred, hundred and two. Over a hundred. Nice. Yeah. So like speaking of some tough conversations, have any of them been kind of tough or eye-opening that like you were a bit surprised about? Um, as far as the conversation around like people with opposing views, we haven't really gone there. Mm-hmm. Um, because the whole premise of our show is really to be educational and like break down like civics down to its bones and like really just ask questions like what is gerrymandering and things like that um and so really trying to get that like kind of core education part of civics so um that's really important to us and we're not really our show isn't about like arguing or um it's not like a you know fox news or cnn like post show like analysis panel where everyone's like coming together with their analysis and conflicting views like we're really just trying to kind of almost almost strip that stuff away and get down to like the bones what people really need to know about like how our government even works um and so that's really the whole premise so we don't always we don't go there really um but there absolutely has been interviews that have like blown our minds or taught us things that we had no idea about um and we've talked about a lot of really amazing topics that you just don't i think realize um are even going on like one of the ones we always like refer back to we had this interview um an episode where we talked about like ids and how Mm -hmm. a lot of people in this country like literally don't have access to physical like ID cards and identification and like what comes with that and how, what you need that for and how it can be such a barrier for people to access just like basic human needs or even in some places like be able to vote. And just like, that was like a mind blowing episode, for example, but there's been a whole range and it's just crazy that we've hit a hundred plus of those. I mean, even more because we have some like still under our belt, we're like releasing as weeks come, but yeah, it's been a wild ride for sure. Well, congrats. Yeah, that's, that's really impressive. I mean, uh, what I love about your guys' podcast is you guys have like a very wide spectrum of political people that you've Mm -hmm. had conversations with, um, which is super important today. Sam, any, anything that's kind of like, you know, stuck out to you any favorite yeah. one? Oh, favorite okay weirdly i was thinking about that last night so reading my mind i was like yeah what would oh. i like it's to mer- that mercury question? it's mer- retro mercury, mercury retrograde was <laughs> connecting you to i don't even really know i'm just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um well now that i've officially also made myself look like the crazy astrologer girl or wait is it astrology or it's astrology, yeah. not astro- astronomy. Is the like legit? Literally. Sorry, now I'm gonna get a bunch of hate for saying astrology. Yeah, watch out! Don't legit. come after astrology. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Ask, ask the girl who lives in Venice. You know, <laughs> I can have my own nuanced identity, Anthony. Totally, mm. totally, yeah. But to answer the question, favorite? I don't know. I don't think I could pick a favorite because they're all very different, and I think that. Honestly, like going into them, the interviews that 
we think are actually backs up that every interview that we think we have like a preconceived notion of how it's going to go. It is the absolute opposite. So I, you know, it's hard to really pinpoint some themes across the episodes. I would say they're all really strong episodes minus maybe like the first three. So if anyone listening is like, mm-hmm. mm, let's go check out girl in the gov. Like maybe don't listen to those three. Love the people we had on. Don't love, you know, our attempts at audio. Um, our audio so issues that. were really bad. Okay, it's really it like beginners. Well, that, beginners getting their legs. It's always really important when, especially when you've done over a hundred interviews, where people always ask us, they're like, "Okay, I'm not going to start from the beginning. So tell me which one, which episodes mm, to yeah. start out with first. So mm. it's always good to point people in that direction. So there we go. Skip the first three. Well, I give like a funny one that we actually just did. It came out this week, and it's with Congressman Welch from Vermont. He's running for nice. Senate, yeah. and. I have to say, he is absolutely hilarious. Like we were genuinely <laughs> laughing the entire episode that we were recording with him. You just, you never know. And I think that's part Sam of Sam called too. Mitch McConnell, cock block McConnell right in front of him. And <laughs> he wow. loved it. Love that. Yeah. I mean, yes. that kind of, okay. So that leads sort of into a question that I have, cause he's, how old is Congressman Welch? He's, he's an probably, older one. I was going to say, older he's one, right? on like list. He's, yeah. um, So, you know, one thing that obviously we focus on young members of Congress trying to kind of look at politics through the lens of what they're doing. And I think something that I hear is a constant refrain amongst people around our age is that like the older people fucked it up (laughs) and you know, like the baby boomers like screwed up the economy and now we're paying for it and all whatever. Mm -hmm. And I am wondering, you know, that's like a perfect example, like in speaking to this older politician who seemed to kind of, you know, have it together in a way to communicate with two young women on a way that is entertaining and doesn't feel sort of like stripped down and stump speechy. You know, what do you think is a way to kind of view the generational gap, especially when it comes to politicians? Like we started political playlists because we felt like there were these people in government who we could relate to on a generational level that we didn't necessarily feel towards the Congressman Welch or the Pelosi or the, you know, what Mitch McConnell or whatever. Cockblock McConnell. Co- I'm sorry. Cock-block. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cockblock McConnell. That's so intense. Um, <laughs> That's really aggressive. It's like, yeah. Um, Mercury. God. Um, but, but what do you think is a helpful way to think about that generational divide and like how we as young voters, as young people interested in civics and to your point about your podcast, civic education, how do we kind of view the generational difference, especially amongst our politicians? Who do we root for? Obviously people who have our views and share our views, but what kind of have you guys seen in the people that you've spoken to of a variety of generations? Yeah, honestly, the one thing I I actually thought about this the other day and the Congress members we have interviewed so far have been amazing and they've all been a little bit older. I mean, Swazi's, well, he's probably, he's a younger one. I don't know if he's like in your age. Yeah, so two, three years younger than me. Yeah. And then, um, but regardless of age, what we've know, I've noticed is like, and I thought about this the other day, I was like, every interview we've had with them, it's been very fun. And I'm like, it's probably also because they're so used to these like public facing mm. interviews and conversations. And like, they know how to be outgoing and like, you know, they're 
you know, politicking, you know, they kind of are used to that. Whereas some of like heads of organizations we've had on, they've been amazing and like super informative, but they haven't had that like fully outgoing conversation, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Right. So I, I noticed like that. They're a little but, greener. Yeah. And they're not like totally. used to like, you know, like being on a podcast or like doing interviews and stuff like that. So I've definitely noticed that piece of it. Um, but as far as like who to support and all of that, I think, you know, if you think about like Bernie is a perfect example of like a super old man who is like a champion for young people and right. young people's priorities. So it's like, I think that's definitely what to look for is like, what are they, what are their priorities? What are they working towards? Look at their, you know, voting history and everything and look there first. And obviously we need more young people in office. That is always going to be a constant. Um, but there are definitely um, electeds in office who are working for younger people's priorities, which we can only respect. Um, What do you think in terms of like the way that a, if a young politician is coming in and trying to learn from some of these people that maybe you've spoken to who have been in it for a long time, what do you think are the things that you've admired in those conversations in the sort of people with the experience that you think young people, you know, we're quote unquote involved in politics. None of us are running for office. What do you think are some of the the attributes that you notice in the politicians you've spoken to that young people who want to be in office can learn from? Yeah, I mean, I think Welch actually points out a really good thing. And so Maddie asks him, is like, so like, how do you work with people that you totally disagree with? Like, what, mm. what does that look like? Like you're walking through the halls with like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like, are you guys hanging out? Are you like saying peace? What's up? Like, what's the vibe? Peace. I love and- that. <laughs> <laughs> Throw up the peace sign. That is, I'm bringing that back. Every picture from now on, that's what's happening. Um, but what was I saying? I'm trying to think. Oh, so anyways. Oh, no, no, no. My ADHD is just on like next level today. So I'm like, ooh, squirrel. So nonetheless, like with what he was sort of saying to us in response to that question was that you have to just continually try and find issues that you guys can actually like come Mm. to terms with that you can actually negotiate on and find Mm -hmm. common ground. It's like, it's not worth me arguing about Right. You know, the, you know, did Trump win the election or whatever with someone that is elected and is on the far right? It's just a waste of his, his time. Like it's not, mm-hmm. they're never going to see eye to eye on that. But what he points out is that him and a lot of other red state reps actually have a lot of common ground on broadband and that they can actually make legislation happen on that particular issue. So I think for someone that's younger and getting into office, the, you know, it's, Sometimes from a press perspective, press perspective, oh my God, advantageous to get into a fight or say some really like flamethrower words about a particular, you know, colleague or other, you know, politician, but it actually like isn't going to necessarily help you get anything done. Yes. Yeah. That's the difference, right? Is like the mm-hmm. sort of publicity that maybe gets people excited versus what the job actually is which at least in my opinion should be passing legislation into law that can do something that would help people. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's conflicting views about that now of is the rallying cry more important than the sort of I think direct there's, action. There's both. I think yeah. you kind of have to figure out amongst your 
like your colleagues, like who's going to take what role, like who's going to be the flamethrower and who's going to be the person that's actually making something happen, you know, and it's like a coalition within your own groups of caucus. So I think, you know, that needs to be a discussion once, you know, you're doing your orientation down at Congress, you're having a good time in DC and you guys have to like, really, they have to really figure out like, okay, who is going to be that person that's on CNN or getting trashed on Fox because of what they said on CNN. And then who's the person that's actually like negotiating behind the scenes. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that those people can't be the same person. It definitely happens. But I do think that like both are important. You want the attention and you need the attention to keep people, especially young people on these issues. But like, you also have to realize that it's not necessarily going to move the needle behind the scenes. So you can have both. And and I mean, when you think about it too, everyone only hears those maybe few people, right? It's AOC on the left, it's Lauren Boebert on the right, but there's 400, you know, 535 members, right? Mm -hmm. Most of them are all working together and trying to figure something out, but you just hear those kind of polarizing figures. And I think that always gives politics kind of a rough, you know. Yeah, uh, I think that's the downside, right? Is that it makes it seem like, oh, these are the two views. And I do think Mm -hmm. that we're coming to a point where, especially like in media, there's a slightly better job of, oh, these are like the fractures within the Democratic Party, within the Republican Party, that there are, you know, there's more moderate Republicans, there's more moderate Democrats and what have you. But I think that question or that issue of like, that he said of pick the things that you can work together on, you know, we had a conversation with Millennial Action Project. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but they do um, a lot of work in basically bringing together young uh, members of Congress to work on very specific legislation. And one of the things that they talk about talked about in the um, when we spoke to them was that young people do want to focus on issues, and it's like. The idea, I mean, I think a lot of young people are disenfranchised with parties and it's about mm-hmm. what are the issues I care about? And I don't know, like to me, it's sort of, I think that's true, but I also think that I don't know if I'm convinced that our country like allows that perspective to really happen right now. Like that I can say, oh, I kind of believe in these three things and I'm going to, you know, not really care about yeah. the rest of them when you do have to pick a side and I don't think yeah. that's good, but I just think that's where we're, where we're at. That's where we're at for, for sure. Yeah. 100%. yeah. And even in that, I mean, part of that's like marketing too. Like people might really care about three issues, but like then when they're presented with like, here, read the bill about it. They're like, okay, well um, I'm going to go. Like, I'm sorry. I have dinner reservations. Yeah. So I think, you know, part of changing that rhetoric and that conversation of people being so far left or so far right is also making that information more digestible and more interesting. It is interesting, but more interesting to understand from the face, because Mm. I think that's part of part of the problem. Like what is more interesting? I can tell you this from like looking at our TikToks and what performs well and what doesn't like what performs well, the one where we should on Trump or the one where we tell you to go sign a petition. I can tell you every time, hands down, it's the one where we're shitting on Trump Mm. every time. So like, That and I mean, people love drama. They do. Like Bravo would not be successful if people didn't love drama. We just need like the Real Housewives to do some sort of like civic education series. Yes. (laughs) There should be a Real Housewives of 
a house in San I mean, maybe some of them are, maybe some of them are sliding into your DMs, Anthony. Hopefully that's uh that's, that's what we're all praying for. Obviously. <laughs> um, well, when we spoke with you last, you guys played a little game with us. So we thought we'd play a little game with you. We're oh, going to name this. We're going to name. Okay, sorry. We didn't prepare you for this, but it's an easy no, game. I love it. Game. Let's do it. We're going to name four young politicians and just want to first word that comes to mind. Um, oh God, I hope I know them. I'm really you will. If it, if we you were very, them. we were strategic in picking who they were. I think you guys will know all of them. Okay. I hope so. I'm like not good with like knowing all the members of Congress. So. I'm going to start off with an easy one for okay. you. Okay. Um, he's a Senator from Georgia, John Ossoff. Love of my life. <laughs> Husband. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I thought you were going to say Zaddy, honestly. I'm so <laughs> glad that you said his name because he's my life husband. When we were picking Zaddy. them, Zaddy's done. I was like, I was like, yeah, we'll do John Ossoff. And Anthony was like, yeah, because they'll just like say he's hot or something. And I was like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> no, it's like a running thing at Girl on the Gov. Like no, 100%. John Ossoff. Yeah. Were you guys ever, by the way, just to tangent for a second, familiar with Joe Cunningham of South Carolina, who's now um, running for governor? Husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we've been trying to get him on the show for a hot minute. He was so. my he was my ultimate crush. Oh, he's my so gosh. hot. Well, Stunning. our worry is like if we got him on the show, we wouldn't stop flirting with him. Yeah, that yeah, might not be. I a good don't even idea. know if it would be a good show. <laughs> I would be like, so what are you looking for in a mother to raise your child? Because I'll do it. <laughs> I don't think his then his wife comes knocking. <laughs> Excuse me, who are these ladies? Like, wait, thought you were single. Oh my god. Um, okay, let's do another one. Um, Nancy Mace, Congresswoman from roller, South Carolina. Roller coaster. Just absolute roller coaster. Elaborate on that because I think that's such an interesting take. I feel like she just totally, she's a Republican, first of all. Maddie yeah. also accidentally DM'd her yesterday. Oh, is that who so, we're talking about? <laughs> I, see, this is this is the problem is that I don't know these people. Like I'm not, there's too many of them. And I, I was like DMing a bunch of like electeds that we follow. And I guess we follow her. And I DM'd her. I didn't warn her. I just didn't know we followed like QAnon people. I was like, well, I don't know. Well, but she's not really a QAnon person. She's, I would say she's definitely a more moderate Republican, you know, holds conservative views. But I think roller coaster is an interesting thing because a lot of, I feel like she champions a lot of things that Democrats also agree with. Um, It's interesting. Totally. Especially since she is like totally for like marijuana legalization to yeah. certain degrees, which I think is really interesting. But I think like for her, the thing that really kind of made me throw some question marks in the air was with the abortion related tactics or whatever that was happening post bro and then with South Carolina and them trying to put in place this incredibly extreme abortion ban and then her having been a rape survivor being like uh you need a rape exception and going to congress with like a sign on her back i forget exactly what it said yeah something right like along the lines of like uh guys pay attention what the fuck and so I find it like very interesting because it's like she has her own personal story and her personal story is like integrated into her politics. And I think it makes her a little like less hardcore Republican than some of her colleagues, which I find pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, like she like just makes me think about like how people's personal stories really impact the politics that they align with. Right? That's a like, really good point. Yeah. Obviously, that's horrible trauma. I wish that upon no one, including her. But like, 
you know, you have to almost think like, what would her view be on abortion as a whole if she had not gone through that experience? Mm-hmm. And you could put that with like a zillion different politicians and different issues. And I just think it's like she's one of those ones that's really interesting to watch on the Republican side because you know, you see that you see this sort of like bing bong on that end. And then you also see the marijuana thing. But then you also see her going against like trans athletes. You know, I'm just sort of like, which also comes from her experience of being a woman at a male college and having a very specific view about that gender experience, you know, like it's just a, I think that she's interesting. And I, I think that's such a good way to boil it down that her story and her experiences, I think are going to make her a really great politician. And I think give, she seems to be, you know, using, I mean, she's up for reelection, obviously I I, will see if she wins, but I think that she can, she knows how to use her story, which I think is one of the most important attributes of a politician um, and hopefully can stay true to her story. You know, even if there's parts of it that you may not agree with that. I think that she so far has been pretty good at kind of sticking with what she believes, which is something that, you you know, I, I admire, um, just, you know, despite whatever I might, she wasn't that bad. (laughs) I just don't want her to give us money for something. Not that that gone through with the transaction. (laughs) So so I'm going to stick on this Republican train right now. And, uh, Another Maddie's future husband, uh, oh. Senator from Missouri, Josh Hawley. <laughs> Gag. <laughs> I'm going to guess. Hey, I was providing the political commentary. I'm just providing, hopefully, the humor for everybody. <laughs> Gag. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to guess that you don't, you don't have interest in raising his children. Don't want to raise those children. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, no, I mean, save, he's an interesting... <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I could find, change him. You could change him. I could. Interest. You want to fix him? Huh. I, yeah. That's gone well for women for centuries. <laughs> <laughs> I get. I can do it. I, <laughs> I have faith in you. Yeah, I think I can do it. I don't know. I one question on on do Holly, and to? then we'll move no. on. Yeah. Is you know I think that he's someone who. I feel like in a really similar way to Nancy Mace, I feel like is so like steadfast in like, this is who I am. I use my faith. I use my family. I like, these are just following him on social media, especially and hearing him talk. It's he has his plan of like, these are the things that define me. And he's also incredibly educated and has a shitload of experience already in politics as a young person. I just find it, I find him to be kind of fascinating because I feel like he is writing the playbook for a swath of young conservatives on how to kind of like personalize your conservative beliefs in a way that like Mitch McConnell never, never did. Yeah, I mean, I just like really when I see him and look at him, I think of just the insurrection, really. And the fist in the air. Yeah. And there's, I think, a part of me that thinks that he actually also, though, like stepped into his role during, Mm. you know, the Trump era. And I think he like adapted to that. And what, you know, that base wants in a way. So, I, I mean, I haven't dug too deep on him like you have, but I feel like some of his actions haven't fully like 
um, I don't know, haven't supported that. He's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. just not a fan. Um, yeah. Not, not a zaddy. <laughs> not a zaddy, but no, I just really do relate him back to like the instruction, yeah. you know, his actions around that and how he fell into, you know, that character that they like needed him to be for that, mm. which doesn't seem as genuine, you know? Okay. Well, we'll wrap it up with one that hopefully inspires more, um, love than Josh Hawley. And that is democratic Congresswoman from San Diego, Anthony's hometown, Sarah Jacobs. Mm. Love her. Well, it's so funny thing is we were chatting about how we really want to be invited to a congressional baseball game. We were like, mm-hmm. we would be great cheerleaders. We'd have so yeah. much fun, like all the hot dogs, like sign us up. And then the literally we post the app. Yeah. I really just go for the hot dogs. Let me tell you, like she hates my baseball, biggest, loves hot dogs. They run so slowly. I don't get it. It drives me nuts. Like the, run to the bases faster. The, when they're playing the baseball and softball games. Yeah. No, like, like and all this baseball players. I mean, I'm not a baseball like, fan generally. I would say. I mean, yeah. I watch it more than I'll watch football, which like really is like, let's see. I'm the opposite. I love I football. football over baseball any day. Oh, basketball, hockey. Oh, yeah, those Honestly, are my favorite. I'd even watch golf. I'd even watch golf. Oh, no. No, um, not golf. Never. It's brutal. No, I mean, we like, we like Sarah Jacobs because she is, I don't know. I feel like she, I find her to be very intelligent. She also, when we interviewed her, said something that maybe this can be kind of like a wrapping up of this conversation. And I'd be curious to just get your guys' final thoughts on it. She said, I don't know if you guys knew this, but she ran for Congress the term before and she lost her primary. And she said this advice of all she ever knew was like the goal of what she wanted to accomplish in terms of helping people and sort of fighting for the things that she cared about. And the, when she lost that primary, it inspired her to start the nonprofit. She started in San Diego to help. Um, I think it's to help homeless children. Isn't that right, Anthony? The pro- yeah. nonprofit runs. Yeah. That, so I think like that, I think was such a good piece of advice of it wasn't about getting elected to office. It was about the goal she had to fight for certain issues and being in Congress was just one way to do that. And so I guess maybe to wrap it up, like what are some of the goals that you guys have both with girl and the gov, like in general, as young educators, young sort of alternative educators, um, what are some things that you're looking forward to accomplishing? Where to start with that? I think one of the things that we're looking forward to, you know, sort of evolving and changing is how politicians, how politicos, how heads of organizations, how campaigners, et cetera, use social media and get an understanding of how they can use it for good, quite honestly. And so and you guys have a newsletter about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The perfect plug. It's called hashtag viral. And basically it's like social media consulting, right? Your inbox. So we always say it's like, instead of having the meeting you didn't want to have, it's the meeting. That's actually the email. You have like all of the details right to you every Tuesday and it gives everything from like best practices to basics. And we have had quite the array of experiences with social media and the political space. And it's no shame to anyone that doesn't know how to use it properly or doesn't know all of the tools. Like that is not the idea of the product. The idea of the product really is to help push people forward and make sure that candidates, especially grassroots candidates, smaller candidates actually 
take advantage of the free advertising and marketing that social media is and knowing how to use that is obviously mm-hmm. vital. And so, you know, like we said, like we've witnessed witnessed many situations in which they just have no idea. They're like, what's an Instagram mm-hmm. live? Wait, I've never heard of YouTube. Can you explain? So we really just want to be that guiding force. And I think we're in a really unique position because we are kind of B2C and B2B. You know, we are talking to the consumer, trying to change the pers- the positioning of the consumer to be more educated civically. But at the same time, we're also trying to work behind the scenes to make politics really more approachable and accessible, but actually changing the dynamics of who's presenting that information. And you know, it's really trying to make sure that it's a well-rounded approach. And so I think there's exciting things coming. We are constantly experimenting with so many different lines of essentially product or, you know, feature and whatnot. And some of them work great. And some of them, you know, get tossed in the trash, but it's okay. It's (laughs) a learning experience. But yeah, I mean, we're really trying to, obviously the whole premise was to bring or to help young people learn about politics and make it more approachable for young people and young women. And um, something that I feel like we found during the process is that like politics also needs to start prioritizing meeting young people where they're at as well. And so that's kind of become this like two prong approach approach for us now where it's like, we are trying to educate young people and get them, you know, mobilized and ready to vote and, you know, engaged and all that. But we're also now, you know, trying to get the political space engaged with young people and starting to prioritize social media because it's not just like an amazing marketing tool, but it really is how you reach those young people that you forever have not really been able to reach politics. I'm talking to you. So I'm just trying to kind of bring that to the forefront because we've also seen some like frustrating instances where, um, you know, kind of more establishment politics just hasn't prioritized social media and using it. And ultimately that just sends a message that you're not prioritizing Mm. meeting young people where they're at too. So Mm. trying to change all of that and shift um, kind of the culture around it and bring politics into the mainstream and um, hopefully, you know, make politics prioritize meeting those young people and, and getting them involved as well. Well, thank you guys so much for a tantalating conversation that yes. began with astrology Thanks. and ended with social media, like any good conversation between young people. 